Amen. Let's give God a clap offering here this morning. You know, the Lord just loves to bless people. He really does. He loves just to release His heart. And uh, He loves to encourage people. And this morning, I want to tie that in because when we're talking about the word thrive, and if I read a couple of definitions here, thrive means to flourish, to prosper, to grow vigorously, to develop well to bloom, to blossom, to do well, to advance, to make strides, to succeed, to shoot up, to boom, to profit, to expand, Uh, to grow or develop vigorously. Everyone say vigorously. That word vigorously, if we actually unwrap that word vigorously, it means strong. It means active. It means growing well like a plant. And what's interesting is I want to tie... The, the fact of thriving and you and I thriving, first of all this morning, to our relationship with the very house of God. We know that this scripture here emphasizes it in Psalm 92 verses 12 to 14. Let me read it. The righteous will flourish like the date palm. This is the amplified version, so it's a little bit elongated. The righteous will flourish like the date palm. Who likes dates? Mm, I love dates. The righteous will flourish like the date palm, long-lived upright and useful. They will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, majestic and stable. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God, growing in grace. They will still thrive and bear fruit and prosper in old age. They will flourish and be vital and fresh, rich in trust and love and contentment. Isn't that a great verse? So let's go back to thriving means to grow with fruitfulness, but to grow and develop vigorously, which means to be growing well. And to be growing well, it relates it to like how a plant grows well. And then relating to that scripture that we know being connected or planted in the house of the Lord is related to that. Now, what I want to talk about when it comes to thriving is I want to encourage us this morning to be people who would just take a moment today and ask this question, how are you and I going in developing an atmosphere, in investing in an atmosphere and a culture to thrive? Whether it's in your own life, whether it's in your family, whether it's at work, whether it's at your church, how are you going in actually building an atmosphere? What type of atmosphere are you living in right now? What type of atmosphere is your home right now? Because I want to encourage you that encouragement is a key ingredient to build a great atmosphere to thrive in. And uh, I want to talk about three different angles of encouragement. You know, the house of the Lord is designed to be a place to thrive. It's also designed to be a place of encouragement. It's designed to be a place where we come to be encouraged. Let's look at the word encouraged. It means to be infused with courage. Let's look at the word courage. It means strength, boldness. But also it means to know that your courage and your strength comes from your identity in Christ. To know that God absolutely adores you, absolutely loves you. So the house, the Lord itself is a place where it says if you're planted here, then it means that you're positioned in a place of encouragement, and that's a key to thriving. 
but not only is it the house of the Lord that should be an atmosphere of encouragement for you to receive, but also to be someone that invests into the atmosphere here. That not only are you called to receive encouragement by being planted, but you're also called to be someone who provides encouragement, who gives encouragement to other people. That you're not only someone that receives out of this atmosphere, but you're someone that sows into this atmosphere. Not only is it the atmosphere in your local church, but also I'm talking about the atmosphere of your actual personal home where you live. Whether you're uh, married with children, whether you're single and flooding with other people, You know, at times I've had to minister to people uh, who've been in this church who've struggled in a season because they've been in in a home, in an atmosphere where it hasn't been very encouraging with some of the people that they're living with are actually in opposition to what they believe. And so they don't at times feel encouraged in the Lord at home or they don't feel like they're encouraged in even coming to church with the people that they live with. And, And at times they've shared with me how that's been frustrating and that's been difficult. And I've had to get around those people and encourage them. At first, I understand because I used to be uh, in a flatting situation where I had a majority of the people that I was living with that weren't Christian and they used to mock me and they used to, you know, in a funny way called me Mr. God Boy and, you know, all these little things and you're trying to deal with this mockery. But we know that it's not only house the Lord that is a place but also your own home. Sometimes you have to fight for the atmosphere of your home to be encouraging. We have to fight for the atmosphere of our marriages to be encouraging. Sometimes in our marriages, it can get stale, it can get dry, and when anything's stale and dry, uh, it kind of rubs up against uh, other things, and it, and it gets difficult, and it gets frustrating, and so sometimes a marriage can be more about uh, kind of correcting each other, and pointing out our faults to each other, and, and, and keeping score of points against each other, and, uh, and, it, and, it, and it, it, it's not a place, in, when your marriage is like that, it's not really a place where you feel like you can thrive, you feel like it's, uh, it's a place of suffocation, and you can't really breathe. Really, any type of relationship will be like that. But when you're in a marriage, you're in a covenant relationship, which means before you and God and the person you're married to, I mean, it's through thick and thin. So if there's an atmosphere where there's a lack of encouragement, my encouragement to you this morning is you have the ability with God to turn that around. You have the ability to start to cultivate an atmosphere of encouragement in your marriage. You have the ability with God to cultivate an atmosphere of encouragement in your home. You have the ability to cultivate an atmosphere of encouragement in your local church. You also have the ability to cultivate an atmosphere of encouragement where you work, even if you're not the leader. Who knows that we're called to be different to the world? We're called to be not of the world, right? We're called to be different. And so this morning, I want to talk about what exactly does encouragement mean? Because an atmosphere of encouragement, encouraging people, you being encouraged. We're going to look at three angles today. We're going to look at an example of Barnabas, but we're going to look at that Barnabas in the Bible was a great encourager. The disciples even labeled him. They changed his name to Barnabas because it means an encourager. And uh, what they loved about Barnabas is he encouraged the other people. He encouraged the disciples. But Barnabas did three particular things. He first of all, catch this, he built into his life a discipline where he encouraged the Lord. Now you may think, the Lord? Why would the Lord need encouragement? I mean, he's the almighty, he's the beginning. Well, it's not so much you need to encourage the Lord 
for the, for the Lord's sake, but you need to learn to encourage the Lord, to bless the Lord, to praise the Lord, because it actually builds within you an ability then to flow in all the other areas of life to encourage. So one of the first keys that we're going to learn this morning is you have to praise the Lord. You have to encourage the Lord. We had our midweek prayer meeting here on Wednesday night, and one of the first things that we did was, we're, Jesus, we praise you. We lift you up high. We declare that you're amazing. You're, you're great. Can I tell you, when you encourage the Lord, when you bless the Lord, when you tell him how amazing he is, how glorious he is, how faithful he is, that what it does is it actually starts to supercharge something on the inside of you. And then from that place of encouraging the Lord, you can then start to do the second thing that Barnabas did, and that was he encouraged himself. Do you know that you and I are called to minister to ourselves? Did you know that? Did you know that your call, part of your responsibility is to minister to yourself, to encourage yourself? Chris, did you know that? Dan, did you know that? Matthew, did you know that? What I love about you know, those three guys that I just highlighted is, you know, right now they get, I see them, they get around and they encourage their brothers in Christ. I even saw it last Sunday. I came back because I'd been away and they're like, hey, Pastor Brad, how are you going? And they think, oh, we've missed you. Oh, man, it's been so good to see you. And, and we talked. And it was like it really blessed me, right? And they get around and they encourage their friends. They get around and they encourage their mates. They spend quality time with each other. And they keep cheering each other on in the Lord. Can I tell you, they're creating an atmosphere to thrive. And can I tell you, there's fruitfulness in these guys, I've seen it just happen over the last little while, just the last six months. They're using encouragement to build an atmosphere of friendship, and they're thriving. They're thriving in the Lord. And so when we encourage ourselves, it, oh, the Bible teaches you know, we, that the, the, the Lord gives you the gift of tongues to, to encourage yourself. But it's not just the gift of tongues. Saying, I am mighty in the Lord. I am strong in the Lord. If he is for me, who can be against me? No weapon formed against me will prosper. Using this ability, get yourself encouraged in the Lord is a key. And who knows that when you praise God and you encourage God and then you encourage yourself, you're then able to encourage other people. Have you ever felt so dry and brittle on the inside that sometimes you go into church or you come home from work? I've done this. I've come home from work. And all I want is to be encouraged, right? I just want to be encouraged. But it's just all about me. Who knows that probably my wife wants to be encouraged as well. Come on, how is anyone speaking back to me today? And so I get home and it's just like, oh, poor me, I want to be encouraged. Why hasn't Sarah encouraged me yet? Why hasn't she asked me how my day was yet? Right? So let's just shift it. Everyone say shift. Okay. So sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes God would say, hey, if you're feeling tired, if you're feeling down, why don't you praise me a little bit? Rather than just sitting down watching the TV or going to get the chocolate milk or whatever your little mini escape is at home. Just praise me a little bit. It doesn't have to be a two-hour prayer meeting in, in the shower. Just 
bit of just praise you, Lord. You're a great God. I just thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. I thank you for the day that I've just had. Just bless the Lord with your mouth. Encourage him. It starts to unlock something on the inside. It starts to loosen something. And then, you know, at times I've been at home and I've like, oh. Or Father, I thank you, Lord, that I'm filled with the power of God. I thank you, Lord, I'm filled with joy. I'm filled with love. I thank you, Lord, that even though I'm tired, Lord, where I'm weak, you are strong. Holy Spirit, just fill me right now. Lord, I want to encourage my wife. I want to give her words of life. So, Father, Lord, I feel down. I feel like I want to be the one that's encouraged. But, Lord, I pray that you would just fill me up right now. Thank you, Lord, that I am an encourager. I'm a, I'm a husband that's called to encourage. So what am I doing just there? I'm encouraging myself in the Lord. And now I'm in a position to go up and say, hey, honey, how are you? Hey, sir. So how was your, how was your day? Oh, you, you're, such a, you're so good at this. You're so good at that. Whatever it is. Now, before we get into the Barnabas, Barnabas example, I want to again encourage you today that what I've noticed in being a pastor is that there's a particular transition that I actually look for because it's a transition from my own life that I had to make. And the transition was going from being a Christian where it's all about me and the way that I related to my local church or the way that I related to my pastors or the way that I related to people because I was a new Christian was... I need to be encouraged. I need to get a fresh touch from God. I need to get a prophetic word. I need the sermon. I need the time of worship. I need someone to pray for me. I need to respond to the altar. Um, I need someone to call me from church. I need to be encouraged. I need to be encouraged. Why isn't someone calling me? Why isn't someone praying for me? Why did that person not call me? Why are they not encouraging me? Oh, they are encouraging me now. That's good because I need encouragement. Oh, great. That was a great time of worship. I got something out of the Word. I didn't get something out of the Word. Is anyone following this? So what, what's the whole theme there? Come on now. What's the whole theme there? It's all about me. Me, 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 me. Now, there's a season where God says, that's Okay. It's called the milk season. It's called the baby season. It's called the new Christian season. Everyone say, but. Okay, so let's say this is the new season or the new Christian season or the baby season or the milky season. And let's say this line down here is a sign of transition. The Lord would say to mature in the things of God, We have to transition from this season. It's good to be fed and strengthened. So there is a time and a season where it's pretty much all about you in your own world, right? And it's about Jesus speaking to you about destiny and you come into the house of God for you and you're getting a word and you're getting strengthened. You need people around you to encourage you and you need to be followed up and that's great. That's an important time. But then there's a transition where now we have to learn these three things. The first thing is we have to learn that part of our role, part of our identity of being a man and woman of God is that we need to learn that when we're down, 
when we need encouragement, the first thing, everyone say first. The first thing is not to rely on another human being to fill that void. Come on now. The first thing is to learn in that moment to praise and encourage and to bless the Lord. Some of us have made that transition. Some of us are still in the milk season, about to come to the meat, but some of us may be, just may be stuck. And I think this morning it's important to be encouraged to make that transition. I'll tell you why. Because then the Lord can use you to actually then be a blessing to other people. You're also in this season, when you become someone who's more mature, you're still going to be blessed. You're still going to receive encouragement. But you learn to actually rise up and mature at a place, and it goes, it goes from levels. I mean, there's a level of maturity, then there's the next level, then there's the next level. That's why every Sunday at church we use the word breakthrough. I mean, you, wonder, you might think, why do we keep talking about breakthrough? Well, you actually don't stop breaking through until you go to heaven. Did you know that? Did you know that? Okay. And so when we come over this place, it's like, can I tell you, I think uh, the Lord this morning wants to birth a fresh revelation in a lot of us this morning, if not most of us. How are you developing your ability to actually encourage the Lord? Do you, have you got a revelation that part of, of your spiritual DNA is to bless the Lord? is to speak favorably about the Lord, is to allow your, your praise to become a weapon that actually fires up you on the inside and refreshes you and helps you to break out of that place of discouragement. Come on now. David, David did it. He used to dance before the Lord. And so we want to talk about these key principles. So what exactly does encouragement mean? This word means to call to one side, to help, console, or strengthen, or to instill courage in another person. And so we're going to look here at the book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 36 to 37, where it's introducing this guy called Barnabas. Verse 36, Now Joseph, a Levite and native of Cyprus, who was surnamed Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, sold a field belonging to him and brought the money and set it at the apostles' feet. So one of the great tragedies, I think, of our time is that there are a multitude. There aren't, let me rephrase that, there aren't a multitude. There aren't a multitude of of kind people around. Did you know that? Did you notice that kind people is a rarity? Has anyone noticed that? I've got three people responding. Has anyone noticed? Okay, good. That kind people are not all around the place. There's not thousands and thousands of kind people around. And I think it's a tragedy. There are plenty of mean-spirited people. There are plenty of hateful people. There are plenty of those people who just are nasty. It's all about them. I'm not talking about Christians here at church, but sometimes there are people like that in church time as well. But I'm talking about just generally around us. But the Lord is encouraging us to build a lifestyle of encouragement towards other people. And so... That means it can't all be about us. That means that it's not, we're not called for Christianity and for church and for Jesus and for the word and for worship to be all about us. We're actually called to move beyond that place and to realize that 
We have to bless the Lord and encourage the Lord. We have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. And then that gets, it gets us into a place where then we can freely encourage other people. The main reason why you and I will find it hard to encourage other people is when we are dry and we are empty and we are desperate for encouragement ourselves. When you're living in the land of discouragement, it's very hard to be someone who represents encouragement or to be an ambassador for encouragement. And so it's part of our role as a Christian through the power of God and the Word of God to actually transition ourselves out of discouragement. Let me make this statement. One of the biggest blockages and hindrances I see in people of God is that they're always waiting for someone, something or God to get them out of that discouragement. Can I say this? That it's, it, it's an opportunity to rise up. It's an opportunity to actually bless the Lord with your words and to learn how to encourage yourself. If you interview most mighty men and women of God who can talk about all the mighty battles, whether they're in ministry or marketplace, they will tell you. Christine Kane. Who here has heard Christine Kane preach? Okay. I love Christine Kane because she's kind of like my style in terms of I, I like that style. She's kind of, she just calls it as it is. Some of you may not like that style, but I just love it because I know when I listen to Christine Kane, she's not going to give me half an hour of fluff. She's just going to get in there and tell me what the Word of God is, is saying to us today. And I love that. And so when Christine Kane is interviewed, she says that, you know, she had to learn it very quickly that for her to actually sustain herself in the things of God, for her to be actually be able to actually stay alive in the things of God and not get taken out by the enemy or people criticizing her or people mocking her or people trying to come against her, whether it be actual people or, or full-on things going on in the world because she has now she has a very prominent ministry. But even starting off in working in youth, she talked about how one of the biggest things that has been a key for her is for her to learn to minister to herself. Let me ask you this have you learned to minister to yourself do you minister to yourself i know it sounds a bit weird but how often are you ministering to yourself how often are you encouraging yourself in the things of god how often are you speaking words of life but not just words i'm not talking about fluffy positive development stuff i'm talking about actual scripture actual uh, truth of the word of god how often are you speaking that out over your family speaking that over over your mind can i tell you that? For me, it was just hearing a word like this and having a hunger and desire. I didn't want to stay in the land of milk permanently. Can I say this to you? You have to have a desire to grow. Come on now. You have to have a desire to grow in the things of God. And if there's something that's attractive to you about kind of always being in that place of just, well, no one's encouraging me. Not getting encouraged. No one's calling me. Why isn't someone calling me? I'm just not getting anything from this message today. Now, there's going to be a moment in this season where people will get around you and encourage you. But if you don't transition, then you will always have to rely on people around you to buck you up. You'll never be able to be in a place of resilience because sometimes the greatest battles will be the private battles in your own heart and your own head that no one else around you will even know about. And you have to have a desire to transition in order to be able to build atmospheres around your life. 
Sarah and I are very deliberate. You know, one thing I love when I study the Gospels is one thing that I don't hear often preached about Jesus, but is very evident in the Gospels, is he was very deliberate. Meaning he didn't kind of just kind of go, oh, look, we might randomly do this and see how it goes. He was very deliberate. And so Sarah and I are very deliberate with what we do in our home in terms of building the atmosphere. We're very deliberate in actually speaking words of life. Like when I'm in the shower in the morning, I'm praying, 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 because I know that what I'm releasing is building an atmosphere. It's building an atmosphere of joy. It's building an atmosphere of just for us to just love each other. Wednesday night, we came here and we released seeds of faith into the atmosphere. At church here, as we pray for church, we're building an atmosphere. You can even build an atmosphere in your own mind. And so let's go back to this example of Barnabas. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and helpful to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another, readily and freely, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Ephesians 4.2, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another, in unselfish love, just talking about encouragement. Then we'll look at Barnabas. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Let everything you do be done in love, motivated, inspired by God's love for us. All right, let's have a look at Barnabas. The word Barnabas means son of consolation. The word consolation translated means comforter. And this is the great thing that the disciples said about Barnabas, is that there was such a DNA of the Holy Spirit in Barnabas that was evident because the Holy Spirit himself is a comforter. And Barnabas got around and comforted people. He comforted people. So let's have a look at how to be an encourager, to create a culture, to thrive. You first must learn to actually reach outside yourself. So we're going to kind of do these in a backward step. I'm going to talk first about encouraging other people. Then I'm going to talk about encouraging yourself and then encouraging the Lord. But you usually do it in the other order so that you have enough supply or deposit to encourage people. But when we look at the book of Acts, chapter 9, verse 26 to 27, there's this sense here, this glorious conversion of Saul. And Saul has been dramatically converted. And after Saul was converted, he tried to unite himself with the other disciples who were in Jerusalem. But out of fear and prejudice about his past, they were afraid to allow him into the group. Now, why were they afraid? Does anyone know the story? I kind of get why they would be afraid, because Saul actually was not just persecuting Christians, he was assassinating Christians. Before he got the revelation of Jesus, he was out killing these Christians, and then he became a Christian. And so most of the disciples didn't trust him because, you know, months before he'd been actually killing Christians, and now he wanted to be part of Christianity in this group. And so they were doubtful. However, Barnabas came to Saul's side and stood up for him and told the others about this man's amazing conversion. He stood up for one who desperately needed a friend. Let me go one step further. He stood up for the misunderstood. He stood up for the misunderstood. You're called to stand up for people that you know and can see are being misunderstood. Can I tell you one thing? That sometimes... When people are misunderstood, their motives are misunderstood, there'll be other people that get around them real quickly, really quick to criticize, try and pull them down. You and I are called to protect those people that are misunderstood. 
We're called to encourage. We're called to strengthen. We're called to comfort them. We're called to stand by them and say, you know what? I see what's going on. I know that you're good people. I'm here to support you. Be a supporter. Be someone who lets their friend and brother and sister in Christ know that they're standing for them. That's an example of Barnabas. That's an example of encourager. But can I tell you, if you stay locked in your own discouragement, you'll never be able to minister encouragement out of your life if you're someone who's just discouraged, always waiting for someone else to support you or encourage you. So we need to make the effort and take the time to reach out to those around us who seem lonely, who seem like they've been rejected. And this is especially true of church. We need to reach out to those people. Who believes that? Who agrees with that? In Acts eleven twenty two to 23, Barnabas encouraged the disciples. So he encouraged the desperate, but he also encouraged the disciples. When the church in Jerusalem heard that there was a new group of believers at Antioch, they sent Barnabas to them to help them along. And the Bible tells us that when he arrived, he exhorted them. This means that he offered them encouragement. He was excited about what God was doing and how these new converts were serving the Lord. And he did his best to encourage them to carry out the work of the Lord. So watch this. Barnabas encouraged the desperate. He encouraged the rejected one. He encouraged the misunderstood one. But he also encouraged the people of God who were doing the work of the kingdom Whether they were new or not new, he was encouraging them to keep going. Our encouragement needs to be balanced. We need to be encouraging people. Watch this. I need you to really listen in there because this is key. Our encouragement has to be of people who desperately are obviously needing encouragement. The rejected, the hurting, the lonely. But also, we shouldn't just exclusively encourage them. We need to also encourage the people who may not seem like they need encouragement. Come on now. We need to encourage the people who are obviously doing the work of the Lord. They may be advancing. There may be a move of God. There may be, it may seem like it's just all falling into place, but we still need to encourage. Because we can add then to their strength. We can add then to the momentum. We need to encourage people, encourage your leaders, encourage your pastors, encourage your team leaders, encourage your department leaders, encourage your leaders at work. Be an encourager. We ought to do everything in our power to encourage other believers in their walk with the Lord. We need to praise others. When they labor for Jesus, we need to encourage them. And again, balance. We need to underline the word gently. We need to gently rebuke our brothers when they stray. As in when we say rebuke, as in we need to say, hey, can we sit down and have a chat? It seems like you're walking away from the things of God. What's going on? You're bigger than that. You're better than that. You've got a destiny. You've got a purpose. This is a time for you to to fight. Now, when we say rebuke, rebuke is encouraging someone to turn around. Come on now, it's still encouragement when you do it the right way. (laughs) 
encouraging them to turn around their choices. So he encouraged the desperate. He encouraged the disciples. And he also encouraged the discouraged. So let's look at this. In Acts 13.13 13, and then also in Acts 15.36-40, it talks about these different scriptures. It's an interesting part of the story. Because you have these, these ministers. You have Paul, who's now a part of Christianity and he's now you know, moving in the things of God. Through Barnabas, Paul entered into the things of God. So you have Paul, and then you've got Barnabas still hanging around, the encourager. And then you've got this guy, this guy called John, and you've got this other guy called Mark. And they were all together on a missions journey, together, hanging out, the four of them, right? Serving the Lord. And for some reason, John and Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. And then in Acts 13, 13, it says, Now Paul and Barnabas are ready to go out again, and Barnabas wants to take John and Mark along to give him a second chance. But Paul disagrees, and he and Barnabas part company. And then in Acts 15, 36, 40, goes on and explains this part. Listen in. Paul takes Silas and goes out with him, while Barnabas takes John and Mark and disappears from the Bible's account. Now, let me just wrap all this up in this particular point here. This is an example of right here where they were hanging out and they were doing the work of the Lord together and then something happened. The Bible actually doesn't go into the specifics, but there was kind of like a separation of the team and it, was, it eventually was amicable. But what happened was, was that Barnabas first went off with Paul. Something happened with Mark. Something that Mark did, something that Mark said that didn't sit well with Paul. And so Paul loved him in the Lord, but no longer wanted to minister with him. Is everyone catching this so far? So Barnabas first, under the leadership of Paul, went off with Paul, and then Mark and John went their other ways. But then when they came back and they gathered all back together, the Bible teaches that Barnabas actually wanted to help to encourage Mark because he was obviously discouraged. Because he'd kind of, in a way, been rejected by Paul. Paul kind of said, I don't really like what you're doing. So the way the Bible teaches is that Barnabas goes to Paul and says, hey, I want to encourage Mark and let's go and do something. And Paul said, well, look, you can go and do that. If that's your encouragement ministry, you go and do that. I'm going to go and do my own thing. So Barnabas actually then goes up to Mark and starts encouraging him. And says, you know what, something happened. There was a little bit of a disagreement or a falling out. But you know what? I want to encourage you. You're still called to do missions. You're still called to, to minister. You're still called to be a vehicle for Jesus. Come on. I want to walk with you and let's go and do another trip together. Now, who is this Mark that we're talking about? He's the guy that wrote the gospel of Mark. Catch this. The encouraging spirit in Barnabas was one of the keys that positioned Mark to be able to, to be someone who actually then wrote a book that's now in the Bible. So what are we highlighting here? We've got to sometimes understand that even though we have disagreements, or we have frustrations, we've got to look towards the hope of restoring relationship when it comes to family, when it comes to ministry, when it comes to people that we're working with. We've got to sometimes understand we are called to encourage people who've actually been discouraged by a bad experience, to get them to a place of restoration. Does everyone agree with that? 
Come on, is Jesus the ministry of reconciliation? Does Jesus believe in restoration? Awesome. And so you have to be an encourager, encourage people. But also you need to learn to reach up. Everyone say up. And so this is about learning how to actually encourage the Lord as well. Let me have a look at this example. In Acts 4, 36 and 37, Barnabas promotes the work of God and he praises the work of God and he participates in the work of God. And he also encourages the, finish, the finishing of the work in God. He's always praising God. He's always talking about how God's doing an amazing job through these people. Isn't God wonderful and how he's moving in this prayer meeting? And isn't God wonderful how he's moving through the youth? And isn't God amazing how he's actually raising those new Christians up? And isn't God amazing how he's helping the worship team to go to the next level? And isn't God amazing about what he's done with this building? And isn't God amazing? Come on now. When was the last time that you spoke about the things of God like that consistently? Praising the work of God, actually acknowledging God and the work of what He's doing around about you. Encouraging the Lord. God, you're doing an amazing job. It was such a a blessing to be here on Wednesday night with the, the prayer meeting to see people just praising the Lord. And encouraging the Lord about what he's doing and what he's about to do. I just feel to pray right now. I want everyone to close your eyes. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your anointing in this place. And I thank you, God, that you would encourage your people to encourage you. Lord, to have on their lips words of praise about what you're doing. Lord, to actually bless you and actually to acknowledge you moving in the things of God around them. Father, I thank you, Lord, where there's been ones that have been discouraged and maybe people have fallen into a trap of speaking out of their discouragement. Father, I pray right now, wherever that may be the case, help people to get this revelation today to start to praise you again and to acknowledge the work that you're doing amongst them and around them in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.